Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. One gene mutates and an ascomycetia, candida, ergot, cordyceps, aspergillus. Any one of them could become capable of burrowing into our brains and taking control, not of millions of us, but billions of us. Billions of puppets with poisoned minds permanently fixed on one unifying goal to spread the infection to every last human alive by any means necessary. And there are no treatments for this, no preventatives, no cures. They don't exist. It's not even possible to make them. So if that happens, we lose. Welcome back to the Banter Booth, everybody. Uh, this week, a little different from this point onward, we'll be talking about The Last of Us uh, week by week for the next foreseeable eight weeks until the show's season finale inevitably airs in March. So joining me on this journey for the next eight weeks is going to be Chris DeFreitas. What's up, my man? What up, Zach? Oh. Good to be back. Oh, man. Always love having you. And it seems like we're going to be together. We're, we're locked in now for the next two months. We'll be talking about The Last of Us every week breaking down each episode that happens uh this week we're talking about episode one um when you're lost in the darkness and episode two infected which is about fucking two hours and 20 minutes of content we'll be talking about here uh but my god did they give us a lot and also one of the most faithful video game adaptions we've ever had um for those listening you can watch the last of us on hbo in canada that's on crave on demand anytime so uh, without further ado, let's just get right right into this. Like, we'll start with episode one. What were your initial thoughts on the show? Like, just in that episode, did it hook you in? What were some favorite things? What were some things you liked about it? I know you mentioned production design before we got started. So, uh, yeah, man, floor is yours. Yeah. Um, what I really like about this show, especially in both the first and second episode so far, is the fact that we get to kind of get to, like, jump back in time like we have that cold open in 1968 with all the professors talking and like it's kind of like a nice like exposition dump to kind of like dump on people who aren't too familiar with the game um about like uh like what viruses uh can do and then also introducing the whole uh he thinks it'll be like more of a fungal outbreak more of like uh like the cordyceps and stuff Mm. and i like i kind of enjoyed how they kind of brought in um the whole global warming aspect to kind of make it a bit more realistic, especially because the show takes place in uh, present time. Uh, yeah. I liked how it's, it's like in 2023, which I hope is not our inevitable doom for this year. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. That'd be, that'd be terrible. Well, at least for them, their inevitable end happened in 2003. And yeah. so we're, we're 20 years on, which is the first well, not the first slight change we see. The slight, uh, first big change we see is the opening scene, but 
it is a change because the game takes place in 2033 with the initial outbreak happening in 2013, which was the release date of the first game. And this time they decided that they wanted to keep it more current with having it based in 2023. Interesting. Um, a change that really doesn't matter. That's one of those things that you could change in a video game adaption or anything that you adapt in. It really wouldn't matter. I don't think yeah. the, the time it takes place is going to be that important to it all. No, but I think it also makes a lot more sense that they placed it in 2003 just because there wasn't as much like social media like wasn't around at that time. So it kind of oh. makes it a bit more believable that like they, people don't really know what's going on. Like, well, that's you know, a really like people, good point. I didn't even think of it. You know, like people don't realize like if era. it was in, yeah, because if it was in 2013, people would have been he hearing about it just like how we heard about the pandemic, you know, mm -hmm. it was kind of told through social media and eventually then it became like a real thing. And um yeah, I liked how they did that bit of a time jump and then just kind of like had it to like present time, but you know, a clearly a different timeline and out an outcome of what happened in their <laughs> events of 2003 onward. <laughs> it was it's nice because like um I'm a big fan of the zombie apocalypse shows and movies. I'm obviously like one of my favorite shows. Sh I'll shamelessly say it is The Walking Dead. I'm a I fucking love that show right up until yeah, like, there was a couple bad seasons in the middle. I, I won't lie. Season seven is arguably the worst. Um, no, it is the worst. It's not arguably. That is the worst season of that show. But, you know, like you get past that season, eight gets a little bit better. But that's besides the point. Like going into this, I was really exciting, excited to see a new post post apocalyptic show. And I, I was obviously fan of the game and coming into this and the 20 year jump. That's even a farther jump than The Walking Dead ever had in their show. They never mm -hmm. went 20 years into the future. I think they only made it to about 13 years after the initial outbreak. So this mm -hmm. is like a big thing. We're 20 years on, but they have these little civilizations in these cities, the QZs, the quarantine zones, right? And um, one of the things I, I really liked about this episode was obviously how faithful it is to the video game. But on top of that, it's just the the, the tensity and the horror that, that is presented, that, that is so perfectly captured in the first episode, especially the initial outbreak, I thought was so in, it, well done. Uh, they're driving around. Joel picks up Tommy from the police station, and now they're driving around Austin, Texas, their little small town in around Austin, and everything's going to shit. The best thing ever with the big HBO big budget, you get the airplane falling out of the sky and blowing mm -hmm. up behind them, like definitely putting their money where their mouth is, which is really nice. Uh, it's better than a bus crash, which was, which was the one in the video game. But, but uh, getting to the point where Sarah gets killed, that still hit me just as hard as yeah. it did in the video game. They, they perfectly recaptured how it, how it feels to have her ripped away from you and put you in Joel's shoes as well, emotion-wise, of, yeah. you know, the world is ending, but, you, but his world just died in his fucking arms. Yeah, I really liked how they, they definitely spent the time in, you know, us getting to know both of them a bit too like you know we got mm -hmm. to see them in the daytime in the morning getting mm -hmm. ready for school her fixing his watch them watching a movie um i really enjoyed all those little bits of you know us getting to know her and we're following it through her eyes and then mm -hmm. i mean that's what's that's what's so hard about the game because like in the game you start out as her and you're walking around and then joel comes in and, and saves her from like a zombie dude and then um and so like you think you're playing as her for the first bit and then when she ultimately dies, it's just like that so heartbreaking even mm -hmm. when you're playing it. And I think they really passed that over really effectively in this episode and even showed like the brutality of Joel in the oh, first yeah. episode, you know, Perfectly. like with that wrench hitting the neighbor 
and she was like dad what the hell and he was like we gotta go like <laughs> like he's like he he doesn't mean any business and i also noticed something that i didn't notice in the first watching but when they drive away in the pickup truck um you see the uh a bumper sticker that says uh desert storm veteran yep i remember that and yeah desert storm yeah the desert storm veteran so we kind of get a glimpse of like oh tommy and joel maybe were in the army you know Mm-hmm. We so they're clearly trained. The, the implication there that these guys they mean business, and also like with what you just said about Joel and his kind of like his his um his morals here, we see mm-hmm. that he's a guy that is he's he's willing to do anything to keep his family alive. He's, yeah, no, it's no holds barred. He will take you out. Does like no no qualms about it. He's not a soft person. And after he loses Sarah, I mean, before we get into any spoilers with the video game, after he loses Sarah too, that second half of the episode, he is. Um, as as Tess would say, they they're both they're not good people. They're bad yeah. people. They're bad guys. And I and I kind of like that we're watching these. That's I I like that moral gray area in shows and in characters. That's what I like to see is maybe someone we shouldn't be rooting for, but still we get to we get to follow their perspective. And yeah. and Joel's is just so interesting, especially yeah. at the end of the episode when he beats the living fuck out yeah, of the at, guard outside. Yeah, out of the guard he was dealing with, like he was yeah. dealing drugs with, and then. You know, he, you think he'll, like, let him pass, and then he's like, no. And then, you know, he just beats the living crap out of him right there. Oh, it's so good. I love that. I love the, to back to your plane bit, too. Um, I love how we had the mislead with the car right before, too. Like, you know, when that car comes, yeah. you're like, oh, this is it. And then it fakes out, and then you're like, oh, shit. They sort of, <laughs> like, the car didn't hit them. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, is so it's the bus. The bus is going to hit them then. And then a plane <laughs> comes, and I'm like, no fucking way. Like... <laughs> Like that holy, was, hey, you got the budget. Why not? I I yeah. love the I love the fact that they went with the plane. It just shows so much more of 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 the destruction of society. Yeah. Planes falling from the sky. It's raining yeah. hellfire. Shit like that. Like everywhere, it's burning all around you. And the the army, they're not trying to save you. They're just trying to contain the outbreak, and they're just trying to kill everybody so that it doesn't spread. Yeah, exactly. Like I no. um I also enjoyed the lead up into it which was like shot for shot in the back of the car with sarah you got the yep. burning house even the highway sign i i knew instantly like where where this was headed you know yeah it was um it was a great episode and then we kind of like get into like um them going into the city and then them trying to get the guns back from tess being beat um i also liked how they kind of showed um tess getting into bed with joel because we never yeah. saw that in the game or it was kind of hinted at, but never really like they were like together, together or like an item. Like we knew they were friends mm-hmm. and partners, but we didn't know they were like possibly romantically involved as well. You know, mm-hmm. which is which is interesting because then now you're kind of getting into some episode two territory. Like some thoughts I have for episode two because we do see them them cuddle in episode one, mm-hmm. and uh, I will just skip ahead here really quickly to episode yeah. two, um, which is Tess's death. Uh, she does not last very long in the show. She doesn't last very long in the video game either. But still, I just felt like there was... Maybe it's in Pedro Pascal's performance. I just didn't feel enough from him. If they were more... If they were romantically involved, maybe it's because Sarah's dead, so he is completely dead inside. His emotions are completely locked off, and I can understand that. But mm-hmm. I felt like, as opposed to the video game, it almost like it's, it was almost like he didn't care that she was dying in front of him. That's what I got. Yeah, definitely. Oh, like, this person, your partner, this person you've known for God knows how long is she's bit, she's dead. And it feels like he's already carp, 
compartmentalized his mind of like, okay, then she's gone or I'm done. And it's like, it just shows how, it either shows how emotionless he is, or it's just his um, performance is so subtle. And it's, maybe I'm just reading it the wrong way. I don't, I don't know. What'd you think? Um, I thought, you know, I thought that it, that exchanged look they gave each other, but I think there was always an understanding between them that they were partners first and like lovers second, kind of. Mm -hmm. I always felt, I, it's always, it felt like that in the game, um, for sure. And it was like, it's shocking in the game when you have to give her up. Cause like, I mean, you kind of spend a lot more time with Tess in the yeah, game. Yeah. Like you, you kind of get little quips and little side combos and, you know, you, you help each other clear rooms or whatever. And I feel like it definitely hits more at home, but I think they did a pretty decent job. And I thought Anna Torv did a really decent job portraying Tess in this episode and how like she, her starting to believe like, like, uh, like, you know, there was that, um, the graffiti on the wall in the first episode it's like when the um crap what's it called it's like look for the light it's like when there's darkness oh, yeah. all around when you're lost the in the darkness look for yeah. the light yeah well, when you're yeah and like she's definitely started to believe that when you know when we find out she got bit and then she looks over at ellie she's like look this she's like this is the light like this th there could be a light side we've done a lot of bad things and i think maybe that's why he didn't like feel as maybe like loving towards her because he felt maybe she was also lost in the darkness with him. But yeah. I think Ellie is like the light that'll, that kind of brings him out. Like as well, as you see in the game, mm -hmm. the, like Ellie's kind of his light, kind of his Sarah, right? He, Cause he had lost it and he'd been in this darkness for so long. Mm -hmm. um, Ellie's kind really of what brings both characters into the light. Um, Joel, yeah. obviously a bit longer, but you're right. It uh, tests season almost immediately. Well, of course, she gets bit first to really to truly believe it because she sees how fast it's ha happening to her and how if Ellie was bit three weeks ago and the fact that she, it's it, it does not look like she's it's spreading it all throughout her body. But yet, Tess, you look at her and it's the red marks are going up her neck, down her chest. Like you can see that that, that like she's going to die in a matter of minutes, hours, maybe mm -hmm. she's lucky if she's hours. Yeah, um, like that was. <clears throat> I, I don't like you, you kind of said it when we spend more time with her in the game because you get to clear out you play the levels with her so mm -hmm. you're right like we get to hear a lot more of their conversation a lot more backstory because this this does bring up the part of the episode that I the part of the first two episodes that I didn't really like which is I felt like Tess wasn't as developed as much as she was in the video game mm -hmm. it felt like she was gone too quickly in the tv show as opposed to in the video game you spend like four or five hours with her and I get yeah. that you need to cut out a lot of that stuff for a an adaption because you're mm -hmm. not going to go in the game you're going like building to building traversing your way through boston killing all the yeah. infected whereas in the show you can't just have that's like nothing happening almost for four hours really mm -hmm. you can't have that so you got to speed it up and i can see why you have to speed up the pacing but it does kind of sacrifice the character development and the relationship building between tess and joel and and ellie and all three of them yeah so I, didn't, I, I wasn't as connected to tess this time but props yeah. to Anna Torv, like you said, great performance. Mm -hmm. She did a great job. I don't think there's anything wrong with her. I just wish we could have spent more time with her. It feels like a wasted opportunity. Yeah, I feel like we should have at least um, spent like one more episode with her. But mm -hmm. I guess because it's only eight episodes for this season, they only have a certain amount of time to mm -hmm. do things. And I mean, we kind of get to know her in this episode a bit in the beginning when, you know, she's talking to Ellie about like, how she got bit and like, you know, where it was and, you know, she was in the mall and stuff like that. And she thought she was pretty tough and, 
you know, I thought we got a decent kind of like look into her, like, you know, mm-hmm. like we kind of saw her kind of tenderness even a little bit there. Yeah. And then, but it's like, I mean, it's, that's kind of like in the game where like you kind of like are starting to get to know her a bit more and see her sweeter side. And then she's abruptly taken away from you quite quickly in the game. Yeah. Um, and it and it and it's like they're ripping your heart out in the game. And I guess I guess I was just waiting for that emotional reaction. Like I cared when Tess was ripped away from us in the game, whereas mm-hmm. I didn't care this time. I also thought the that's fair. the kiss of death reminded it gave me PTSD of the mummy with Tom Cruise. The kiss of death just oh my god, and all the tendrils just creep me the fuck out. Those are really well dude, fucking done because those dude, things the tendrils creep me out every are time gross. Yeah, oh, they're they're dude, they unnerving. Disgusting. They're un- oh. Unnerving. Unnerving. Um, what a fucking nightmare, especially the old lady in the background of episode one, which yeah. is, by the way, an amazing shot. Yeah. Put her out of focus in the background. Like, that's how you do horror. Twitching. I that know. was great stuff. I didn't even notice it until the second time we watched it. I watched it um, today um, oh, with, yeah, uh, nice. with Susie again, the first episode, and I didn't even notice that the first episode. I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. I'm like, that was that was dope. <laughs> It's like that's how I that's my favorite type of horror. The subtle, it's in the background, it's out of focus mm-hmm. because it's because then you're like, oh my god, it, it's it's how you'd always see the the, the stereotype of behind you, behind yeah. you, like <laughs> oh, like it brings back that energy. And like that's why, like the first episode, I gave a 10 out of 10. It was just perfectly done, perfectly paced, you know. And, and originally, it was two episodes that combined into one supersized 80 minute thing, right? So, mm. and, and it makes sense why you would combine the two. I don't think. You know, I feel like the how it originally went was the first episode ended when he threw the little boy in the fire, and then the second episode starts right after that. That's uh, what I'm thinking. Okay, yeah, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that yeah that whole like beginning, um, with like the flashback with Joel and Sarah was quite long. I was like, man, this is like a long. I'm like, this <laughs> yeah, this this is quite long. And I'm like, are we getting to the point where like they're in the future? And I was like, oh damn. I'm like, there's still more to this episode. I'm like, okay, let's do it's it. A- it's a feature length episode, but I, I, but I, I think that was the only way they could really properly tell that first episode. I think that's how yeah. you, I think that's how you had to do it. You had to have the, the Joel and Sarah, you know, for the first forty-five, and then for the last forty-five, it needed to be. You needed to introduce Ellie, Mar, sorry, excuse me, Marlene, the Fireflies, and then you needed to obviously make sure that everyone knew that. Like I knew that that's how the pilot episode was going to end. It was going to end with Ellie, you know, everyone discovering that she's infected. And how are we going to deal with this? You know, that sets mm-hmm. up the whole thing, sets up the mission. Yeah. Why are we transporting this infected girl across the country? Or I guess they're not across the country yet. They're just trying to transport her to a checkpoint in Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I really liked that. Really well um, done. <laughs> very well done. Um, I also liked how kind of like going forward into like episode two, especially with the beginning uh, being a flashback to 2003, yeah. uh, Jakarta, Indonesia. But I liked how... Um, they kind of scattered hints throughout the first episode, even like, mm-hmm. um, yep. Like, I know uh, what you're getting at with, with this. Yeah. I know what you're getting at. It's with the whole, so like in, in episode two, it starts off with, uh, the woman being a fungal expert, uh, sci- yep. like scientist and finds out that somebody was bitten at a bread factory and Indonesia is actually known to have the world's largest wheat and flour facility, um, in all the world that distributes throughout many places all over the world and i liked how they're kind of hinting at the fact that the fungal was spread through through bread and flour and i liked how they in the first episode they're they're having breakfast but she only makes them eggs and bacon no Mm -hmm. toast 
and then or no pancakes they were supposed to make but they didn't have any pancake mix or something yep and then i liked how um sarah and joel yeah they just eat eggs and bacon and then when she goes to the woman's house she makes her cookies but she doesn't want to eat them because they have raisins in them and she doesn't like raisins (laughs) um i just liked and then joel also kind of mentioned subtly to the neighbor that he's on atkins she's like yeah we got biscuits for you and he's like no no i'm on atkins which is an all keto diet uh funny enough so um yeah i really like those little tidbits kind of like hinting at us like is this is the theory that was kind of like made up on reddit like true now and this kind of has like to be confirmed that now which was really cool and i really like that whole opening scene in jakarta it was like really tense kind of remind me of like chernobyl a bit um as like as the creator craig mazin also made that show before making this one mm-hmm. and yeah the intensity reminded me a lot of chernobyl and uh yeah i thought it was really cool and a nice thing that we didn't even get in the game you know i like how we're kind of getting things that aren't necessarily in the game but are kind of adding to the world of mm-hmm. last of us okay so i have a i have a thought on this so in the game you could collect you collect files and shit right like audio yeah. lo- i think audio logs and stuff i feel like these prologues are kind of like when you would pick those up in the video game, they, they tell you more about the world. That's yeah. what I feel like these are, which yeah. are perfectly done. If you want to open up every episode with a prologue scene, Last of Us, I am totally okay. Because yeah. it gives us so much more insight into the world. Like you already brought up how the flower was the perfect substrate for the for the infection. Mm-hmm. Like let, let it spread, let it live on that and perfectly spread it throughout the world. I did not know Indonesia was one of the main hubs of flour and, and grain and all that. So that's news to me. But that's why we do this. You're teaching me things. (laughs) Um, I found that out in an article I was reading today. I was like, oh, "Oh, shit, look at that. (laughs) I know last night she said the word substrate. And I was like, I got to Google what the hell that means. And then, of course, it just means like for an infection, it's the perfect host for it to live off of more or Uh, less. Okay. Because she said that and I was like, "Mm, that's got to mean this. But I got to look it up to make sure. I'm not a science guy. I have no idea. I'm not Bill Nye. I don't know what this fucking (laughs) shit means. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I really liked um, that aspect of uh, yeah the whole flower mill theory. Um, yep. Really cool that like Neil Druckmann, who's the creator of The Last of Us, the game, yeah. and as well as this show and a writer, this was his first directed episode, um, mm-hmm. first time directing in television. Uh, and it's ever. a good start. It's a good Great start. start. I wouldn't say it's. A, I wouldn't say perfect. Like there's some no. flaws. I, I thought the shaky cam was a little much at the beginning, but he. Thank God they started studying that camera throughout the rest of the episode, because I couldn't get over how the beginning of it was so shaky. But yeah, I, I gave the second episode a solid eight out of ten. I mean, I mean, we got we got what we wanted. We got the clickers. Oh yeah, that's what we wanted. That baby. was what, that's all that mattered in the second episode. That, Show us the mattered. clickers. And you know what? I thought they did an exceptional job. Um, I really liked how they picked that museum scene just because like I'm replaying the game as well. And it's like, so aesthetically uh, pleasing as well. Cause like having all the, all the, the old weaponry in the background and the uniforms and like all this about founding America, but also have this really intense, like terrifying scene. And I thought the, the sound design on the clickers was very well done. They sound just like them. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they actually brought back the same voice actors that did the clickers in the game. They're doing it again in the show. If I'm not mistaken, same with how Marlene's actress is the same one from the video game. Hey man, if you if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know exactly. <laughs> ain't no ain't no thing, man. If it works, might as well keep it the same. They even use the same music. It's the same composer. Yeah, if, the, if all the elements worked in the game, why not try to perfectly 
bring it to live action. I think that's what a lot of video game adaptions miss out on. And I think Last of Us does it perfectly is they have the same creative team. Their input is involved in the show. So they're making sure that this baby that they created in the video game world is at least properly, um, you know, uh, put together for the screen. Like it's it, there's yeah. respect to it. They're fans. And I yeah. think that's that's the one thing you need in any adaption. Respect yeah. for the source material. Yeah. And and going in segueing into that, uh, the respect definitely goes to the production design yep. um, and the production designer of the show. It it looks fantastic. Like that whole highway scene with the handheld was shaky, but <laughs> the fact that they're walking on a highway and there's just like, you know, like overgrown cars, like, you know, like mm. all over the place with like, you know, vegetation and plant life all over them. I thought it looked ex- exceptional, especially the CGI with the building. Um, looked very good. I mean, looks just as epic as when you play the game and to scale, you know, it looked mm-hmm. in, uh, it looked incredible. I thought the hotel lobby uh, with the water, with the little pond with frogs and, and ducks and stuff and like <laughs> moss and shit growing around. Like that was, that really brought me in and really impressed me um mm-hmm. when i was watching it i was like wow i'm like this looks this this is this is the game brought to life like it's crazy that they were able to pull this off um yeah. all in camera like it's wild it's wild yeah and if, you know what shout out to the crew in calgary and alberta that were that put this show together um because they they are uh, doing an amazing job so far and the, the cgi blends in perfectly with their practical sets like i don't i don't really see much of you know, it, there's actual depth, which I find in some CGI cases, the the image will just look flat, and mm-hmm. it's not it's not interesting to look at. And um, there was actually a movie I watched recently that had a had a shot where it was just too flat looking because the, the CGI just wasn't well done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but watching The Last of Us, it's nothing like that. It's perfectly well done. It's you know that's how you integrate CGI with practical effects. And I, I guess yeah. what I think you make I, it seem I, seamless. Yeah, and I think they really nailed it with kind of like how um, Guillermo kind of does that. He does a lot of practical and, yes. and CGI and kind of makes it seem like a seamless kind of thing together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Same with uh, Denny Villeneuve or Joseph yeah. Kaczynski with Top Gun Maverick. I mean, he perfectly yeah. blends CGI with practical. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Oblivion. Yeah, that was... that was. Oh, one. another one. I still got to rewatch shots. that. We talked about that in a couple episodes ago. I got to rewatch that still. I know, same. I haven't seen it in a very long time, and I I don't remember it all that much, but I do remember, um, so, like certain shots and scenes that were mm-hmm. really cool. Like his motorcycle is pretty cool, and oh, I know yeah. they they built that motorcycle as well. I like his but, cabin. Um, we're getting way off topic, but I'll just say one topic. last thing. I love his cabin, Tom Cruise's cabin in Oblivion. I forget his name. It's like Jack, I think Jack something. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, back to the Last of Us. Back to the Last of Us. <laughs> <laughs> So enough about Joseph Kaczynski. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say just one more thing. We, we, we've touched upon it a little bit, but it is honestly my favorite scene of the series. Weirdly enough, favorite scene of the series, and it has nothing to do with the main characters. It's that prologue scene in 1963 in the very first episode. It's the very first scene. I actually really love that. You get John Hanna, um, Josh Brenner, I want to say. He's from the internship and also um, Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. Big head. Big head. Big head yep. Bro, and then I the- couldn't believe that was Big Head. That blew me away. I was like, fucking Big Head, no way, bro. And he kills it in those four minutes. I Nails perfectly it. believe him as a talk Nailed show it. host. Like he yeah. perfectly embodied it. And then the Nailed other guy, it. the other the other scientist guy from Peacemaker. He played one of the villains in Peacemaker. It was nice to see him there, but it was John Hanna really from the mummy. Yeah, from the mummy, dude. That I really know. blew so me. So good. 
that that like kind of like that one minute monologue he got there where he's just explaining the dangers of the cordyceps virus and you know there's going to be no cure there's no vaccine there's nothing we're going to do and then josh brenner that haunting line is like so what happens if, if you know what happens if this comes mm-hmm. true and then you know brief pause three seconds we lose and then <laughs> yeah. cut to black intro that was so good like that was that was horrifying that was amazing I really love that. And John Hanna, like, it's too bad we're not going to see more of them. I mean, it would never make sense to see more of them, mm-hmm. but it was, that's a, that's a really well added scene. Cause obviously it's not in the source material, but like, it also leads into a theory that a lot of people have had about the video games for a long time, which is like, did Joel make the right decision? This is going to get into spoilers for later on in the season. So we'll keep it short and brief, but it seems like there were really alluding to with these prologue scenes that a cure is not possible. It's never going to mm-hmm. be possible. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's one of the big things with the game because Joel, you know, ends up thwarting everyone's chances at, at them making a vaccine at the end of the game. And so it seems like is the the show is explicitly stating more of like how the a vaccine's not possible. So I think it's gonna be let us be more on Joel's side, just like how we were in the video games, but it, we're yeah. on Joel's side because we play we play the whole video game with him. Yeah. As and him. then we and we don't want to see Ellie die, you know, like yeah. like Ellie becomes like that's your his best world, pal like you know? his yeah but she becomes your best pal you know yeah. like it's not just his best pal it's your best pal and mm-hmm. it's like i don't want her to die like i like i she's the coolest like i, I want to hang out with this kid all the time you know like mm-hmm. um, so it'll be it'll be interesting when we get to that episode definitely be the final episode and and to see what the uh the reaction is in the message boards on social media online to mm-hmm. see how people fall on it are we still gonna have people that you know, don't side with Joel and think he made a bad decision or people that side with him and say, you know what, he, he, he made a decision because a cure was never, ever going to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do like that they're laying some groundwork to at least give people some, some, um, some backup to their, to their argument, you know? Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that whole 1968 scene was great. I also loved kind of the, the quote that uh, John Hannah said, where it's like, uh, like the fun- fungus aren't, they're not trying to kill, but they're trying to control. Yeah. And, I really liked that aspect, uh, especially in the second episode when we kind of see that giant migration of them. Like there's like a bunch of them in the middle of a street or something like that. And then towards the end of the episode, to fast forward a bit, we go to when they killed the one that was left in that um, in the checkpoint area. And then its tendrils go out into the ground. And then it's like a hive mind kind of scenario where they all understand that someone is there. And I liked how they kind of added that aspect because like that wasn't in the game where they were able to like communicate with each other from like very far distances mm-hmm. um i kind of find that interesting that they brought in that whole hive mind aspect to it um, yeah it makes it uh way more intense uh, yeah. when when they figure out your location and then it's like it's like a ticking time bomb you have one minute you gotta fucking go it yeah. brings a lot more urgency into the into the action you know yeah, but I kind of like that because I feel like sometimes when when movies or TV shows do this sense of urgency thing, they then spend like five or ten minutes for people saying their goodbyes to each other, and it's just mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I'm like, when are they gonna like come on, like get moving, like bring out, bring out the dead, you know? Like I feel mm-hmm. like it would it was always like it would take forever. It was too it was over dramatic. Where in this one, I just felt like it was just like, yeah, we gotta, yeah, we're gone. See ya. Like we gotta mm-hmm. bye. Like, bye. Yeah, as opposed to the video game, I felt like there was less of a goodbye between Joel and and Tess. And we kind of touched upon that already, but Mm -hmm. it it did seem like, yeah, it was, there was a sense of urgency in them to to get the fuck out of there. Clickers are coming. Let's fucking go. And then, um, 
Still a great sacrifice scene for Tess. Still good. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Some thoughts from you. Uh, Pedro Pascal as Joel. Good casting. Does it work for you? You love it? Phenomenal casting. I think right. when when uh, when he was introduced, a lot of people were skeptical. But honestly, I knew this guy had the chops to do it. And if like mm-hmm. there was anyone that was able to pull this off, um, it was definitely him, to be honest. Yep. He's, what I was worried uh, about was Bella Ramsey, but I think oh. she's proven me wrong, especially in this, especially in this episode. She definitely proved me. Um, I feel I don't feel as worried, especially just because like I feel very connected to Ellie when when playing the game and stuff like that. You were a step ahead of me there because I was going to say Bella Ramsey is Ellie next because my my thoughts are going to echo the same as yours, where it feels like she does embody the spirit and and uh, the humor of Ellie really well, the wit. She's mm-hmm. just as like that was something I was wondering if they're gonna, you know, translate it into the into the into the show. Sorry, which was just how often she would crack jokes with Joel, yeah. how she would or or just these silly dad jokes or these witty comments she'd have these replies. Like, I just hearing those lines come out of Bella Ramsey, like she is Ellie. Yeah, just just, just as much as Ashley Johnson was Ellie in the video game, mm-hmm. like she perfectly nailed the role. Yeah. And uh, I wonder if we'll get like those because I remember I remember she mentions that like she had a joke book and she just memorized a bunch <laughs> of jokes from it. So I'm wondering if that's going to come into play, like if in the next episode we get her finding the joke book and then she starts like just reading it. And then yes, maybe oh, towards the end of the episode, she's like, hey, what did this thing? What did this say to this? You know, and I'd be like, thank you. I'm like, that that's would all be I a- needed. That's all yes. I needed. <laughs> that would be the cherry on top of this delicious hot fudge sundae. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, and you know what? Going into episode three, I'm I'm so ecstatic for that because we're gonna get introduced, you know, kind of a look ahead here, but we're getting introduced to Nick Offerman's Bill mm-hmm. and Murray Bartlett's Frank in the next episode. And oh I am my God. super Murray excited Bartlett for that. is Frank. Yep, no Murray Bartlett way. is fucking I did Frank, not, dude. Dude, I did not know that. That's and crazy. It, He's even like better. We're gonna get. We're actually gonna get in like more of a backstory between Bill and Frank. As opposed to the video game where we just meet Bill and Frank's already gone. We're going to get them together and we're going to see this relationship between the two of them. And I, oh. I am actually so fucking pumped for that. That's a change from the video game I am totally okay with. Especially if Frank so is played true. by Murray Bartlett. That's what made it okay for me. Like, as soon as I saw Murray Bartlett playing Frank, I was all in. I was like, this is, that's all I need. That's all I want. Yes. That's perfect casting for both of them. Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett. I cannot wait to see their relationship as Bill and Frank. And I can't wait to see their dynamic with Joel and Ellie and, and how all that plays out now that Frank is we're actually gonna he's actually gonna be an active participant in the show. Yeah, I know. It'll definitely be interesting. Oh wow, he's in he's in three episodes now that I'm looking. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'll be interesting. What? I wonder I wonder if that means they stay with Bill and Frank for I think they'll the, be the flash. Okay, dude. I'm looking at IMDB right now. There's it nine is. episodes. Yep. Oh. And... One more than you thought. Yeah, and not only that, but Tess is in five episodes, so we might get some flashbacks. We might get more insight into oh. Tess and Joel and things they've done before. I wouldn't mind that. Maybe that's what they kind of do with the next episode. Is maybe we see how they give us some flashback into Bill, Frank, Joel, and Tess, and how they all know each other, how they became you know friends and working together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be interesting. It's. Wow, that's actually yeah, that's really cool. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah, we might get their first meetup or something. Oh, it's gonna be it's then, gonna be great. So Gabriel Luna, we might we'll probably see him in the next episode because 
He's only he's in eight episodes. Mm-hmm. He has the second highest amount of episodes. So that that means we might see Tommy sooner than later. Because I feel like in the game it takes forever for you to reach Tommy. Oh yeah, find you don't Tommy. see him until the latter half of the game, not until yeah. it's winter. Yeah, until yeah, until like the very like till the end. So I'm assuming we're gonna probably see him probably by the end of next week's episode, maybe. I know that's the only time we see him in the trailer too. If it's not the opening outbreak episode, like clips we see in the trailers, it's we only ever see him in that jean jacket with a beard in the winter. That's it in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, we so. just see. Yeah, we only see him in the flashback. So yeah, we haven't seen what what he looks like now. So I think it'll be, be nice. Really fun I, to see. I, it, you know what? I am so pumped for the weeks ahead. I think it's going to be great. I'm sure we're going to have a ton of stuff to talk about next week. Yeah. Um, but that's it for episode one of our little recap show. Give me your ranks out of ten on episode one. Uh, I'd say a 10 for me. Beautiful. Episode two. I would give it a nine. Perfect. All right, man. So we both say 10 out of 10 on the first, but we differ a little bit on the second one. I said eight, you go nine. Well, dude, well, I'll talk to you again next week where we break down episode three, which is as of yet untitled, but it's going to be, I'm calling it the Bill and Frank episode. So I am pumped and I cannot wait to discuss that with you, my brother. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that, my friend. All right, man. Have a good day. Thank you for stopping by. Thanks, man. Have a good day. You as well. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Stay tuned for next week. We're breaking down episode three with Bill and Frank. See you then. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.